Lord, Heavenly Father, we again come before you right now with the heart of, with a humble heart. Lord, uh, may we go through your word today um, with that humble attitude, Lord. May we see you through this word, Lord, and may we, and may you just speak to us profoundly, may you just speak to us loudly, and may you speak to us unmistakably, Lord. May all those things that drown out your word, may you just uh, fade away, Lord, whether it's our flesh or whether it's the worries of, of work or the worries of life, whatever it is, Lord, um, may all that fade away. May we just hear from you now. Show us where our spiritual disabilities are. Show us where we fall short, Lord, and, and teach us how to cry out to you, Lord. Teach us how to just cry as loudly as we can. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, may I honor you with the words I'm about to speak, Lord. Use me in a mighty way. And may I just praise you, Lord, throughout this entire message. Pray these, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For 51 years, Bob Edens was blind. He couldn't see anything. His world was a black hall of sounds and smells. He felt his way through five decades of darkness, and then he could see. A skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation, and for the first time, Bob Edens had sight. He found it overwhelming. I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow, he exclaimed. I don't have the words, but red is my favorite color, he said. I just can't believe red. I can see the shape of the moon, and I like nothing better than seeing a jet plane flying across the sky, leaving a vapor trail. And of course, sunrises and sunsets. And at night, as I look at the stars, as I look at the stars in the sky and the flashing light, you can never know how wonderful everything is. Helen Keller once wrote, of all the senses, sight must be the most delightful. In our passage this morning, we're going to be reading a similar story regarding a blind beggar who desired to have what we all take for granted. He simply wanted to see. He was a man who started off with nothing but a ragged cloak and ended up receiving something more valuable to him than all the money in the world. A man whose cry for mercy made the Son of God stand still. And as a result, his life was never the same again. So as we unpack our, our passage today, as we unpack, uh, unpack what we're going to be reading today, in this final section of Mark chapter 10, 
I ultimately hope that you that you come to realize that Jesus Christ will not ignore those who come to him with a faith that is determined, humble, tenacious, submitted, and expectant. So if you're not there already, um, please turn to Mark chapter 10. And again, it's going to be a page 558, I believe, in those Bibles um, in front of you or around you. And please follow along as I begin reading from verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a large, a lar with a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus, when, when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Many people told him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, Have courage, get up, he's calling you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Rabuni, Rabboni, the man replied. The man told him, I want to see. Go your way, Jesus told him. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he could see and began to follow him on the road. At this point, Mark tells us that Jesus had made his way into the town of Jericho. Now, as I was putting this study together, I found something interesting regarding the town of Jericho. This isn't the same town as we read about in the, book of, in the Old Testament book of Joshua, where if you remember that story, him and his troops um, circled the city seven times before the walls fell down. Um, this isn't the same Jericho, however, it's not very far from there. This New Testament Jericho was about 18 miles north of Jerusalem. Now, archaeologists believe that this is one of two towns that have been inhabited by people longer than any on the face of the earth. And I've seen signs, pictures that say, Welcome to Jericho, the oldest city in the world. Now, this town was situated in a desert area. From afar, if, you're living, if you were living during this time, um, if you were just tired and you were a traveler, um, you could easily see the green palm trees and it almost seemed like an oasis. So you can easily um, could tell or, or, uh, that this, could be, this was one of those places where everyone came by. It became one of the richest oases in the region. Now again, due to this, Jericho was one of the busiest and wealthiest towns around. So more than likely, what we can uh, infer here is that Jesus and his disciples, because remember, what we've been seeing is Jesus making his way down to Jerusalem. You know, he's been doing all his ministry around the northern part, um, the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. So now he's starting to make his way down to Jerusalem, where eventually um, he will suffer, die, and rise again. But... More than likely, this is where he stopped. He made a quick stop there as they were, as they were making their way uh, to Jerusalem. Now, as they were leaving this town, as they were getting up and leaving this town, they came across this blind beggar named Bartimus. 
sitting by the road. Now, in case you weren't aware, this was the only time in the Gospels. This was the only time in, in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, Matthew, Mark, I mean, Matthew, Luke, and John, where the name of the person that was healed was actually given. Now, we're not specifically told what, his, what led to his disability or why he became blind. Um, but we, what we do know, what the, what the passage does tell us, is that he was blind and was a beggar. Now, the only positive thing that was going good for Bartimaeus, the only positive thing about his life at this particular time, and even, even then, it, it, it may not seem like much, but he, where he was, um, the location he was in, in Jericho, because again, so many travelers, so many people were there. Um, he probably did okay when it came to asking for alms, um, begging. Now, it also, in some of these towns and villages, it also wasn't uncommon for that particular town to distinguish, to mark or, um, yeah, to distinguish who their beggars were, who their, um, who the bottom of the, you know, barrel people were by giving them a recognizable coat to wear as they begged, as they, you know, uh, did these certain jobs or whatnot. Um, they were given a coat. So in our passage, it then says that um, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus the Nazarene, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazarene, he began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Somehow, somewhere, this blind man had heard about Jesus, his message, and all that he'd been doing. Somewhere along the way, someone told him about Jesus. Now, I imagine that as Bartimaeus is sitting there at the side of the road, and being, you know, he, in his mind, in his, I can imagine him just struggling, mentally debating if this Jesus was really the Messiah he'd been hearing about his entire life. Most children, as they're growing up, they're told about their history. They're told about the promised Messiah. And I'm sure this was something that stuck in his mind as he was growing up. Hearing stories for a blind man is just like gold because their imagination is a lot more vivid and they can see things and understand things a little bit more, more clear. So now, I, again, I imagine him sitting there just debating, is this the Messiah? Is this really the person I've been hearing about since I was a kid? And I think ultimately, ultimately he concluded in his mind what to believe. So when he heard that Jesus was passing through, with all his might and with all his energy and with everything that he had inside of him, Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus. Now by calling Jesus the son of David, he was essentially proclaiming his belief that Jesus was the Messiah. Also, his cry for mercy was his unmitigated belief that Jesus had the absolute ability to give him something that he desperately, desperately wanted. Yet at the same time, as he's crying out in this way, 
He gave no suggestion that he deserved any help from Jesus. That he deserved Jesus' help. But as he cried out, as he continued to cry out, there were some people who wanted him just to shut up. Kept crying, Jesus, have mercy on me, help me. And how sad, there were just some people there. You know what, Bartimaeus, shut up. He doesn't want anything to do with you. You're just, you're a poor blind beggar. You're from the bottom of the barrel. Why would he want to spend time with you? Again, how, how unfortunate, how sad. There's people out there that would say this to Bartimaeus. But he didn't give up. He never gave up. But rather than submitting to those who were trying to silence him, it says Bartimaeus was crying out all the more. Have mercy on me, son of David. You see, he stopped listening to what people were telling him and stood up for who he placed his faith in and what he believed Jesus would do for him. D.L. Moody, Moody, the famed evangelist, told this story at one of his meetings. One evening, just before Christmas, a man was walking through the streets of, of an eastern city. The store windows were all beautifully decorated, and he observed three little girls intensely interested in one of them. He discovered that the girl in the center was blind, and the others were trying to describe the beautiful things in the window. Why, they said, can't you see that teddy bear and that doll? Just look at that pretty bow. But the poor little girl with a blank expression in her face but, but, with a, but the little girl with a blank expression on her face and could not appreciate the beautiful things before her. Now, said Moody, this is an illustration of the effort we Christians are making to arouse the unconverted to an interest and delight in spiritual things. The reason we can't do so is because the sinner is spiritually blind. Moody has scarcely concluded when a reporter was on the platform asking him where he had heard the story. Oh, said Moody, I read it in one of those daily papers. I've forgotten which one. Then the reporter said, I'm the one who wrote that story because I was there and I saw the whole thing. I see now that I'm just like that little girl, spiritually blind. The man was converted then and there. Here we have a man named Bartimaeus who was a beggar by the road. He was among the lowest of the low in terms of his, of his station in life and in terms of public exaltation and status. Now you may not find yourself in this situation, but maybe you can relate to him spiritually. You find yourself spiritually sitting on the side of the road begging for help. Maybe you've been wrestling in your mind about whether Jesus, this Jesus you've heard about, is really a, a savior that can actually save you. Well, let me tell you, he can and he will. All you have to do is stop doubting and believe. It says in Hebrews 11:6, Now without faith it's impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. 
I want to share with you um, the way Pastor John Corson described how, described how this relates to, to many people today. He writes, you who are sitting by the highway of life saying, I'm blind, I don't get it. I'm not seeing properly. I'm not going anywhere. Does Jesus care about me? Or is he just passing by quickly? Take hope. Bartimaeus cried out and the sun stood still. Why? I suggest three reasons. Bartimaeus cried out in humility. All too often we say, poor me, life isn't fair. Why do bad things happen to me? Humility on the other hand says, I'm a sinner. I deserved, I deserve judgment. But Lord, I thank you for your mercy. And such is the voice the Lord hears more clearly. Bartimaeus, second um, reason, Bartimaeus cried out tenaciously. Keep quiet, the crowd said. The crowd said to Bartimaeus. It's amazing to me how often perhaps well-meaning people try to, try to get us to quiet down. Don't keep bothering the Lord, they say. Just accept your blindness. Accept your confusion. Accept the fact that you don't know what's happening. Bartimaeus, however, kept crying with humility. Yes, but also with tenacity. And as we're about to see in the next two verses, Bartimaeus cried out expectantly. For when Jesus called him, he left his garment behind. Verse 49 tells us that Jesus stopped and said, Calm him. I want you to picture this scene. This man is crying out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. And, and it's crowded and there's people yelling or just loud, screaming, wanting Jesus' attention. And as Jesus is walking, he stops dead on his track. Now this was the kind of, of stop where he wasn't going to go anywhere. He wasn't going to be moved. Even if people were pushing him forward, even if people were, were, were wanting him to, to keep going, he was like, no, I'm not going anywhere. I, something's going on. I hear someone. I hear someone crying for mercy. I hear someone crying out in faith. So he says, figures out who, he's, who it is, and he says, call that guy over to me. Call him. Now I want you to pay close attention to what those, to, to what those that call, called Bartimaeus said. I want you to pay attention to, to what they said and how they said it. By telling him to have courage, they were giving him hope. By telling him, get up, they were letting him know what he needed to do. By telling him, he's calling for you, they were just repeating to him what Jesus wanted him to know. Well, what Bartimaeus needed to hear, well, that's all Bartimaeus needed to hear. For him, that was, that was very simple. Again, very simply. He's, have courage, get up, he's calling you. And it says that he threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. By throwing off his cloak, this coat, in some translations, his cloak, by throwing it off, by just simply 
letting it go, he's saying, he was saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm done being a beggar, and I'm no longer going to be defined by what I used to be. That fact, the fact that he didn't hesitate, also reveals that he expected Jesus to heal him. Now I came upon this other story about D.L. Moody the other day. As D.L. Moody walked down the Chicago street one day, he saw a man leaning against a lamppost. The evangelist gently put his hand on the man's shoulder and asked him if he was a Christian. The follower raised his fist and angrily exclaimed, mind your own business. I'm sorry if I offended you, said Moody, but to be frank, that is my business. Even if people reject the gospel, you must love them. Within the sphere of Christianity, there are two types of people, those who share Jesus Christ and those who respond to Jesus Christ. Let me share what verse 49 can teach us about the first group. In Matthew, 18, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it says, um, we've been given this command by Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Notice that Jesus didn't say try and go. He said go. Go and make. Go and baptize. Go and teach. Teach them. Those that brought Bartimaeus to Jesus can show you how to do that. If you're among that first group, those that brought Bartimaeus to Jesus can show you these, again, these four things. Jesus sent them and they obeyed. They offered hope and encouragement when he needed it the most. They inspired him by telling him what he needed to do, as difficult as it was, and as maybe sometimes hard as it may be to hear. He told him, he told him what he, need, what he needed to do. And also they elicited a response by informing him what he was being called to do. Now if that's your heart, if that's your heart to be share Christ, with others, be sure that it's Jesus who's sending you. Make sure it's not you're not doing it out of your own flesh, out of your own. Um, oh, I just you know that person is makes me mad, so I'm gonna go talk to him about Jesus, and maybe he'll change, and maybe we can, you know, be friends, or at least he'll change his ways. If Jesus sends you, just obey. Offer hope and encouragement. Let these people, these people may be suffering. These people may be going through a hard time. We don't, you don't know exactly what's going on in their life. But offer hope and encouragement. Also inspire them. Inspire them by giving, by just telling them what they need to do. I'm not, by telling what they need to do, I'm not saying tell them, order them what they need to do. Say, hey, you know what? You need to be saved. That's not inspiration. Inspire them. You know what? God can heal you. Jesus Christ wants to heal you. All you have to do is get up. 
and then elicit a response by again informing them that Jesus is calling them too. By informing them that Jesus is calling for them. If you desire to share the gospel more effectively, this is what it comes down to. Listen and obey when Jesus is sending you to call someone. Offer them hope and encouragement if they are suffering through something. Inspire by informing them on what they need to do to be saved. And rather than just leaving them inspired, elicit a response by informing them what Jesus Christ is calling, that Jesus Christ is calling for them. Now as far as the second group, verse 50 can teach those who respond to Jesus Christ these three principles. Principle one, throw off those labels that once defined you because you're no longer, they're no longer who, that's no longer who you are. First Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and look, new things have come. Principle two, don't hesitate because you may not have another opportunity. You have those people that say, yeah, 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 I know Jesus is calling me and I, I feel it in my heart and, you know, but I'm not ready or I'm not ready and, and I've got this, I've got to take care of my job, I've got to do, um, make this money and I've got to be here and then when things are perfect, then I'll follow him and then I'll get up and, and listen to that cry or listen to that call. Don't hesitate. You feel that pull from the Lord. You feel him within you, pushing you, pulling you to come to him. Don't hesitate. Here's what the last part of 2 Corinthians 6.2 says. Look, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. <clears throat> Principle three, and come to Jesus confidently, expecting that he will heal you. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there, Bartimaeus is standing now. They bring him to Jesus. Again, I can only imagine what was going through his mind each step of the way as he's approaching Jesus. And now he's standing there silently before Jesus, maybe now just unsure of what to say. You know, that's that awkward silence sometimes when you meet someone or you're talking to someone. Well, it wasn't the case with Jesus. It says before he can, before even Bartimaeus can say anything else, Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now Jesus didn't ask, Jesus didn't ask Bartimaeus, he didn't ask him because um, he didn't know what Bartimaeus' condition was. I mean, it was obvious. It was obvious what his condition was. It was obvious that he was blind. Jesus asked Bartimaeus this question so that he would be specific with his need. You see, have mercy on me. While it's a good cry, and it's, you know, it does, it will make him stop. It was too much of a general request. Jesus wanted him to clearly specify what he wanted. 
Now, there is another significant detail about this verse that I want to point out. This was the same question that he asked James and John in verse 36. I covered it last week, but this was the same question he asked them. There were, but the thing is, they, James and John, were asking for the most prestigious position. But Jesus taught them that whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. I believe Jesus used this opportunity here to exemplify to his disciples what that servant looked like. What that, he, he was like, oh, this, I, this will teach them what it means by being the first must be last and the last must be first. What it means to be a servant. Now again, listen to the stark difference in Bartimaeus' answer than how James and John answered. Rabboni, the blind man had told him, I want to see. The title Rabboni is a strengthened form of rabbi. Now, you know, rabbi, as we all know or may not know, it, all it means is teacher. It's what Jewish people call their pastors, their spiritual leaders, rabbi. But this form, Raboni, is more of a strengthened form. It means far more than professor or teacher. It's, it's like saying, you're my Lord. It's an intense person, it has an intense personal significance and is actually a confession of faith. This is the same title Mary Magdalene exclaimed when she was beyond all hope and expectation when she went inside the tomb, actually when she encountered the Lord Jesus on the morning of his resurrection. This is what she said as she, had, as she met him. And as she realized, wow, he's alive, it's him. And she says, Raboni. Well, this is the term that he used. And again, it was his confession of faith. So Bartimaeus, always having been dependent on someone else to take him by the hand and to lead him, he cried, all I want, Lord. Tears running down his eyes, Lord, all I want is to see. All I want is to receive my sight. He wasn't asking for status. He wasn't asking for glory. He wasn't asking to be exalted in Jesus' kingdom. He wasn't even asking to be delivered from his poverty. He was begging the Lord for something that almost every human being takes for granted. He simply wanted to be able to see. Jesus had taught his disciples about the importance of being servants. To be a servant is to serve a master. Whereas the disciples failed to grasp that, this blind man succeeded. And then Jesus tells him in verse 52, go your way, Jesus, Jesus told him. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he can see and began to follow him on the road. And regarding what, what Jesus said, another pastor who I admire, um, Pastor David Guzik wrote, the faith of the blind man saved him because he was specific. It was a specific kind of faith. It was a faith that was determined to reach Jesus. He cried out all the more. 
It was a faith that knew who Jesus was, son of David. It was a faith that came humbly to Jesus, have mercy on me. It was a faith that humbly submitted to Jesus, Rabboni. And it was a faith that could tell Jesus what he wanted, that I may receive my sight. Soon, as Bartimaeus received his sight, he saw Jesus. He was able to clearly see who Jesus really was. And from there on forward, all he wanted, he, he didn't want to go, he didn't want to do anything else. Jesus told him, you know what, go your way. He's like, no. He wanted nothing more than to follow him to Jerusalem, to his death. Now healed and saved, Jesus' Jesus' way became his way. And now all he wanted to do was follow and look upon Jesus. Let me ask you this question. What if Jesus Christ were to ask you right now, what do you want me to do for you? Would you ask for status and glory? Would you ask for money? Would you ask for power? Would you ask for fame? Would you ask for glory like James and John did? Or would you ask him to heal you so that you can enjoy life, enjoy the life that God intended for you to have? In Bartimaeus' case, all he wanted was to see again. And because of his faith, Jesus healed him. Now you may not be suffering from a, from a physical disability, but you may be suffering from a spiritual one. You may be suffering from a spiritual disability that keeps you from seeing the beautiful blessings from God, that keeps you from hearing the powerful and transformative truths of God's word, that keeps you from, taking, from, from talking boldly and confidently about the hope in Jesus Christ and keeps you from intimately walking with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. If you want Jesus Christ to heal you from your spiritual disability, whatever that is, now, now I just named a few, but everybody has something, something that's disabling them from really finding that getting intimate and being close with God is keeping them from that close relationship, from either seeing, hearing, walking, talking. There's just some bit that's keeping them from having that close relationship with Jesus Christ. If you desire, if you want Jesus Christ to heal you, you need to come to him as Bartimaeus did. Faithfully determined to reach Jesus. Faithfully convinced who Jesus is, faithfully approaching Jesus in humbleness, faithfully submitted to Jesus, and faithfully telling Jesus what you desire for him to do. You see, he knows exactly what you need. If you come to him with this kind of faith, if you come to him and just cry out to him. And this is the problem a lot of times, is that there is no crying out. 
Now, I'm not saying go out on the street corner in the middle of your office or in the middle of, you know, the freeway, whatever it is, and whatever you're struggling in, and just get out of your vehicle and get on your knees and cry out. But what I'm saying is just go to your quiet place. Go to your room. Go to your prayer closet. Get on your knees and just cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. That's what he wants you to do. But do it in faith. Do it because you believe. Don't do it just because you read about a guy named Jesus that can heal people and can give you things. and That wasn't the heart of Bartimaeus. He believed in Jesus. So I urge you, and again, I... I suggest if you that's you and that's there's something inside of you cry out to Jesus get on your knees and just cry out listen to what 1st John 5 14 and 15 says now this is the confidence we have before him whenever we ask anything according to his will he hears us when you cry out to him when you cry out to God, when you cry out to your Lord and Savior, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Bartimaeus did, the Son will stand still for you too. And you know what? Just from personal experience, when Jesus Christ heals you in such a powerful way, it will be unmistakably evident to you and to others by your desire to follow him wherever he leads you for the rest of your life. And there may be times you, you like, you know, your pride and you may say, you know what, I, I got this, I can figure this. But you know what, the, the impact that his healing will be so great, will be so powerful that all you're going to want to do is just follow him. No matter where it takes you, even if it takes you to Jerusalem where there's going to be suffering and where there's going to be trials and where there may be death. That impact of him spiritually healing you be so amazing that all you want to do is follow him. Let's pray. Lord God, we humbly come before you as Bartimaeus did and ask that you heal us, Lord. Heal each and every person that's here right now and whatever it is that's spiritually disabling them. I pray that they will find the time to cry out to you and that you will comfort them. And that you will just give them the healing that they're searching for, Lord. Lord, you know our hearts and you know where each of us fall short in. 
Lord, may we, we not listen to those who are trying to shut us up. May we not listen to those who are trying to tell us that God's not listening. And during those moments, may we cry out all the more. May we cry out even louder, even stronger, Lord. May we cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, meet us where we're at, Lord. We want to follow you. We want you to lead us. We give our lives completely to you, Lord. So if there's anyone that just that's never is listening and, and you feel that tug and you feel that pull, in your heart from Jesus and he's calling out for you. Allow me to be that messenger. Allow that, or if there is someone in your life that is being that messenger, listen to them. Let them bring you to Jesus. And if you're listening or watching and, and, and like Bartimaeus, just surrender to him. If you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, just pray this prayer in your heart. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that my sins were placed upon you. Lord God, heal me. God, I accept your forgiveness. And I ask now that you fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may walk with you, so that I might so that in so that I may no longer be blind, so that I may no longer be deaf. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord so that I may walk with Jesus for the rest of my life. I accept your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Lord, continue to bless this time, Lord. Bless this week. May we be those messengers May we be, may we just bring hope, comfort, inspiration to those around us, Lord. May we just be that salt and light. Comfort those that are here in this room, Lord, and comfort their families and continue to give, you, give us the eyes to see who you really are. Bless this next time of fellowship, Lord. Thank you. We honor you and we praise you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.